This episode of the Ringer NFL Show is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ. If you follow the pod, you know we love analysis and information. We don't yell at each other. We don't throw out hot takes. We don't beat the same topics into the ground. That's how CBS Sports HQ does things, too. It's a sports network that streams live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they're focused on bringing you the latest news, highlights, stats, game previews, game reactions, fantasy advice, and gambling picks. No fake debates, no politics, no made-up drama. It's just sports for sports fans. The best part? You get all this for free. I don't mean a free trial or part of some special cable package. It's legitimately free for everybody. You don't even need a login. Just open the CBS Sports app and watch anytime, anywhere, on your phone, or at home on your Apple TV, Roku, or Fire TV. It could not be easier. So download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. You know what my favorite thing is, DK? Skittles. All right, I take that back. It's my family. They mean everything to me. But Skittles is my second favorite thing. Scratch that. My Our, our listeners are my second favorite thing. But Skittles is my third favorite thing. And as I'm saying this, I realize that sports is my third favorite thing. But you know what, DK? Skittles is probably my 68th to 70th favorite thing. But they are my favorite candy. My favorite fruity candy. Skittles. Podcast the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast on the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, my co-Danny, the hero we need and the fantasy analyst we deserve, Danny Kelly, the Dark Knight. DK, what is on your mind? Uh, I'm still just a little bit angry and, and stewing over the fact that you guys beat me in fantasy. Yeah, in the yeah, fantasy yeah. Football Can we get air horns? Is that allowed? Sure, yeah. Wow. Uh, you guys, you yeah, guys you won did. this you lost. battle, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back at you guys a little bit later. Uh, Jackson and I, it was a close one though. I, I will say, this is the Ringer Fantasy League. We, Craig and I are co-owners, <clears throat> and I, oh, this is incredible. How does it feel to be own one? I just feel like this is just set up to like put you guys in an advantage. Number one, I tell you everything that I'm going to do in fantasy, and then you guys get to gang up on me. It's just not fair. You know, none of these podcasts go on the air. Not, not like yeah, none this of them is all just like yeah. a long con for you guys to beat me in the Ringer League. Yeah, it's, we're tricking you. Yeah, Bill Simmons approved of it. This yeah, is all great. just to trick you. It's an elaborate ruse. It's like the wet, hot American summer kid on the radio. And exactly. just hanging out in the shack. It's unplugged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. All right. So speaking of which, uh, more pods that won't be aired. Uh, we are previewing three of this weekend's games uh, that we think are reasonably exploitable for fantasy purposes. We're going to run through why we like these games in the first part of the show. And then in the second part, we're going to reveal our daily fantasy lineup for the week. Uh, but before then, let's just dive in. DK, the three most interesting games of the week, I think Yeah. the, the first one is obvious. This one just jumps off the slate, and it also just looks like it's going to be great for fantasy. So, DK, yeah, the, bring the us Saints, in. The Saints and Rams, which is, of course, the rematch of the NFC Championship game, the highly controversial NFC Championship game, which gave us, which cursed us with the new uh, review rule with which the is NFL. An so. Epic policy failure to make pass interference it's just, reviewable. Yeah, it's, it's going terribly, but um, <laughs> fantasy wise, I, I, again, I think the first two, the two times these teams played each other last year, both really good games, both reasonably high scoring. Um, the first one, which happened in week nine, 
was one of the best games of the season. The Saints won 45-35. to 35. There was 970 total yards of offense. 80 points were scored between the two teams. Um, obviously, the, the second game, the playoff game, wasn't quite as prolific offensively. The Rams end up winning 26-23. That one had 668 yards and 49 points between the two teams. But um, Goff, Jared Goff passed 40 times in both games. Um, both were back and forth matchups, which was like a positive game script for more fantasy scoring, obviously. And so um, I'm just kind of looking at this game as like a potential, you know, I, I, it has some shootout potential. I think the defenses of these teams are, are pretty solid, but their offenses are just so good that it's going to be one of those things where it's just back and forth. And I'm really looking forward to that. I think there's going to be a lot of guys playing this game that could uh, could rack up fantasy points. So that's what that's one I'm looking at really closely. Well, you bring up, obviously, it is the NFC Championship game preview, and it's funny about the NFC, the championship games last year, because it was involved three, the three best regular season games last year were regular season Chiefs-Patriots, regular season Rams-Saints, and then the uh, the Rams-Chiefs game. So now we're actually getting this Rams-Saints one again. I, just while we're here, I just have to mention this. Everyone does forget that the Saints lost five plays after Drew Brees threw an interception, not five plays after that play. Just got to throw that out there. He did throw a pick in overtime. <laughs> just And all the Saints troll. fans showed up to this Texans game last week dressed as referees, blind referees, and, and um, they won in overtime. So th- 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 thank you. Thank you for that, Danny. Sorry, um, I'm going to add one thing to this. Uh, in addition to sort of like passing, because Breeze actually passed for a bunch of yards too. He, he threw 346 yards the first game last year, four touchdowns. He had 249 yards in the playoff game. <clears throat> as you said, he did throw a pick, but um, the run games in this game could, for both teams, could go off as well. I mean, last week, the Rams let McCaffrey go off to the tune of 19 carries, 128 yards, two touchdowns, plus 10 catches for 81 yards. Um, Carolina finished with 127 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. And then last week, the Saints gave up 180 yards rushing to the Texans with a touchdown. So um, that was 7.8 yards per carry. So there's definitely... Not only is, is it potential to have both passing games go off, but the run games, both these teams have, you know, really high floor at it too. So that's going to be kind of interesting to watch. So this might be the most well-rounded, like you can pretty much throw a dart <clears throat> at any of the players on these teams and you have a decent chance of performing well. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. I mean, there's just so many good, think about how many good players. The first game, Michael Thomas last year had like 215 yards receiving or something like that. So, um, I mean, obviously that's not necessarily going to happen again, but so yeah, there's if- just... I love this. I love this matchup. So yeah, if this fun, is your first DraftKings uh, experience, just go to Saints Rams and start clicking away. Fun fact: Craig and I picked up Ted Ginn in the Ringer Fantasy League this week. And how did he play last week? One wonderfully. That's our guy. It's your guy too, DK. <laughs> uh, another game we think could be a shootout. Uh, we like for fantasy this week is Chiefs at Raiders. Um, Patrick Mahomes surprisingly good Raiders offense, right? Yeah, that was that was wild. So <laughs> Patrick Mahomes threw for two hundred eleven yards last week in the first thirteen minutes of the game. <laughs> uh, just chill. Um, the Chiefs had four hundred. So still good. Yeah, he's still good is what you're Chiefs saying. Chiefs had four hundred and ninety-one total yards. They won forty to twenty-six, but they could have done more. They kicked three field goals inside the Jacksonville red zone, so could have been higher. And Tyree Kill is out for this game with a shoulder injury. He's expected to miss four to six weeks. And if you're wondering how this team will look without Tyree Kill, they did score twenty-three points after he left. Uh, yeah, we know the yeah. Chiefs were good last year, but it's it's just it's just worth reminding people how good they were. They were first last year in points per game, first in points per drive, first in touchdowns, first in touchdowns per drive, first in passing touchdowns, first in yards per game, first in yards per drive, first in, uh, sorry, third in first downs. They're slacking. Oh, third? But first in first downs they, per series. 
<laughs> so first, when you normalize <laughs> how many drives they had, uh, fifth in average starting field position, uh, second in punts per drive, so where that's the lowest, uh, and second and third down conversion percentage, percentage and second uh, in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, not bad. Entire- they, and guess <laughs> who right. won the Super Bowl? The Patriots. The Patriots. So here's God the thing. The Raiders, who they're playing this week, did lead the league in something last year. Most points allowed per game. <laughs> Knock on wood if you're with me. Knock on wood if you're with me. So does John mm. Gruden know that that's like a thing for bad luck? Do you think, think, does you think anyone's ever told him that that's something normal people do? When- I don't think he knows anything that's going on in the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, the internet it's for like 50 years it's like knock on wood to like you know get rid of bad spirits oh, and I don't I think just, he knows that and he doesn't know that people are making fun of it no he knows that but I'm I think not he sure thinks he it's cool. I don't know I, there's a lot of questions about John Gruden <laughs> oh there's a lot there's a, a lot real lot but anyway yeah Chiefs not news oh, they're going to shred the Raiders but I think what was also, news it, oh, sorry it is yeah I was just going to add that like they just lost their first round pick Jonathan Abram to a shoulder injury. Yeah, the Raiders did, yeah. The Raiders did. Gary and Conley, uh, who suffered a neck injury last week, is not going to play. So they're down two of their top uh, secondary players. So that is not great going up against a team that did everything that you just listed off last year and has already started to look like that again this year. And it's not news that the, Ch- the Chiefs will score points uh, and the Raiders' defense is bad. But what is news is that Oakland looked good against Denver. They beat Denver against at home. Against a good, 20- in theory, a good Denver defense. Yeah, right? they beat... Uh, Denver 24 to 16. I mean, I was extremely worried about Oakland's blocking, especially against Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. They did well. Carr had 22 completions on 26 passes for 259 yards. They look good. Um, the Raiders receiving core outplayed the Broncos cornerbacks, which is a deep group. They have the Broncos have Chris Harris, Kareem Jackson, Bryce Callahan. The Chiefs secondary is not deep. Kansas City has the second cheapest cornerback group in football. They allocate just 2.7% of their cap uh, to mm. corner, just $1.3 million. To put that in perspective, they give $3 million to LaShawn McCoy guaranteed this year. I mean, they have Charvarius Ward at cornerback. Kansas City does an undrafted free agent last year that out of middle Tennessee State that Dallas was going to cut, and then they traded him a cup downs. Bashad Breland is their other corner. Uh, they, you know, Breland has just been around because of injuries. But, I mean, they both played 100% of Kansas City snaps at cornerback last week. And that's, I mean, the Jaguars put up 26 points on them with a rookie sixth rounder playing three quarters. Yeah. So the Chagwar, the Ch- Raiders defense was much better than we thought, and the Chiefs defense has not improved, possibly gotten worse. So love Chiefs Raiders as a shootout. So what we saw last week was um, the Chiefs jumped out to a huge lead, and then they were content to just sort of play prevent defense underneath. And that means there's a lot of chance for the Raiders to do the same as what, what Gardner Minshew did last week, which, I mean, he was pushing the ball downfield, but they were playing relatively like conservative defense. And so there should be some chance for the Raiders to do that too if they fall behind to kind of have like comeback comeback mode or whatever. Yeah, so love the Raiders receivers. And then also there's, you know, Tyreek Hill was the number one receiver in fantasy last year and now he's not playing. So there's a lot of opportunity to be spread around the Chiefs offense. Um, and then last game we really interested in this week, uh, Arizona this Cardinals at the Baltimore Ravens. So we've got Kyler Murray, the 2018 Heisman Trophy winner versus Lamar Jackson, 2016 Heisman Trophy winner. First pick of the 2018 first round versus the last pick of the 2017 first round. And then also just in my eyes, when I look at this, it's kind of nerdy, but it's like these are two teams that promised an offensive revolution this year. like (laughs) In a different way. Yeah, Yeah. in different ways. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury obviously is trying something that's never been tried with uh, the Cardinals this year. I mean, went four receiver sets, made it normal, which is wild. I mean, three receiver sets are not new, but like they're in the grand scheme of NFL history, they're kind of new as a base. Now, Cliff's right. coming out with four and the Ravens. I mean, John Harbaugh literally said that Bill Walsh changed football in the 80s. And like, I will do that this year. 
and then came out and crushed the <laughs> Dolphins. Uh, so not in the same way that we expected, though. No, yeah. not as different as I mean, we he, thought it would he be. He was passing all over the yard instead of running, and that was surprising. But um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do again this week because the Cardinals secondary is bad. Saw that last week against the Lions, um, and I don't know. It. it I mean, it's going to be fun. I don't necessarily think the Cardinals are going to have a ton of success against the Ravens defense, but it's going to be fun to kind of see that matchup too, just like how the Ravens match up with that wide open sort of thing. So we also saw that John Harbaugh will run up the score like his like he's his brother trying to like get points in the AP poll or something. It's like (laughs) they just I mean, they ran a fake punt. It was like, what, 35 to nothing? That was crazy. That was awesome. Also, I wonder if, you know, if if the Ravens can score really quickly like they did last week, I wonder how many plays the Cardinals are going to be able to you know, snap in this game. That might be like the one redeeming factor in picking Cardinals players is they could potentially play a ton of snaps. I mean, Kyler Murray threw the ball 59 times. And yeah, he had 59 drop picks, I think 54 passes. Obviously, it's like overtime is a part of that. If you look at the splits for their personnel, like usage, it wasn't super 10 heavy, like 10 personnel, which is four receivers. Um, it was not super four receiver heavy early on in the game. And then the second half, they basically just stopped doing everything else and just went four wide turned up the tempo and kind of spread things out and got more aggressive, which is exactly what we wanted them to do. But they were down, you know, like, I don't know what it was. They were down a couple touchdowns in the second half and they had to come back. And we could see the exact same thing happen this week where they have to spread things out and get aggressive. And, um, you know, maybe it's a blessing in disguise for Kingsbury who came out and was relatively conservative, you know, in that first game, especially in the first half. And if they can get more aggressive and and air things out and let, let Kyler be Kyler, then that's good for fantasy, but it's also potentially good for the team overall, the offense overall. Yeah, yeah. And obviously you know the rules of the site. If you're playing on DraftKings, that's full PPR. So, you know, anytime you're even close to 54 passes, that's amazing if you want to throw a donut in those Cardinals receivers. Um, all right, we're going to build a lineup on DraftKings, but before that, let's take a quick break. Pepsi takes all NFL celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown, a defensive stop on the goal line, or a Super Bowl win, when it is time to celebrate, it is time to crack open a Pepsi. Pepsi has always been there for me. As a Giants fan growing up in New York, we always celebrated with Pepsi. We celebrated with Pepsi when the Giants upset the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC playoffs to go to the Super Bowl. And then we cracked open Pepsis before that game, before the Ravens crushed us in the worst Super Bowl defeat of all time, thinking we would win. (laughs) And then we celebrated with Pepsi when Jeremy Shockey was drafted. And then we celebrated with Pepsi in 2007 when we were defeated the 18-0 New England Patriots as Jeremy Shockey watched from the stands. (laughs) We also celebrated in 2012 when we beat the Patriots again in the Super Bowl. Celebrated along with Victor Cruz doing his salsa, cracked a Pepsi, ate some salsa, cracked some Pepsi when Odell Beckham was drafted, celebrated when he had his one-handed catch, even though quietly the Giants lost the game where that game happened, even though no one talks about it. And Pepsi has always been there, and Pepsi will be there for us through all of the Daniel Jones Super Bowl victories over New England (laughs) still to remain in the Giants' future. Pepsi, the official <laughs> sponsor of the NFL, reminds you to always be celebrating. Today's episode is also brought to you by Discount Tire. When was the last time you thought about your tires? Tires are what makes the difference in how your car feels and drives. Since 1960, Discount Tire has been keeping customers safe by taking care of all your tire and wheel needs. 
With over 1,000 locations across 34 states, their main focus is your safety and the safety of everyone else on the road. Discount Tire provides tire rotations, balancing, free flat repairs, free air checks, and more. And because safety is so important, they provide free tire safety inspections. Discount Tire also has the lowest prices on the best and largest selection of tires and wheels. They'll even make personalized recommendations for you based on your zip code and driving preferences. Whether you need an air check or a set of tires and wheels, Discount Tire can help you get back on the road with peace of mind and change to spare. Visit DiscountTire.com to shop, research, and purchase your tires today. You can even make an appointment to skip the lines. That's DiscountTire.com. Discount Tire, they'll get you taken care of. All right, DK and Craig, uh, let's run through our DraftKings lineup. We have agreed mm-hmm. on this previously to spare everyone the actual nickel and diming of assembling a lineup, the three of us, but we yeah, have agreed it, on would, a lineup. That would not be good content. Not great opinion. content, but, <laughs> but we have agreed on a lineup and we will reveal it. So we're going to go down from most expensive to least expensive, which I hope is yep. how nobody shops, shops on Amazon. Um, but that's kind of how you end up shopping on DraftKings. So. That's what we're going to roll through. So, DK, let's go through our priciest acquisition of the week. So, we decided to shell out on running back Alvin Kamara, 8,200 on DraftKings. Really encouraged by what we saw last week and the way that they were using him. He got bell cow type usage in week one uh, over Latavius Murray. Obviously, last year with Mark Ingram, they were splitting things pretty, you know, like not necessarily straight down the middle, but they're, he, Ingram was just getting a lot, eating into a lot of his volume. And so this week, last week, I should say, um, Kamara got 75% of the snaps, 68% of the carries, and 70% of the targets compared to last year when he played 71, uh, 61% of the snaps, 48% of the carries, and 70% of the targets. So um, still a huge factor in the passing game, but he also got uh, way more carries and far more snaps relative to Murray. And so that's very, very encouraging, kind of like how they're going to use him going forward. Um, Kamara's actually got a really strong history of, of big games against the Rams. That week nine game that we talked about earlier, um, he had 12 carries, 56 yards, and two touchdowns plus four catches, 46 yards. Um, and then in the NFC Championship game, he only carried it f- uh, eight times for 15 yards, but he got 13 targets, 11 carries for 96 yards. So um, I really like the potential of him to be like a focal point in that offense this week against the Rams. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the thinking that we went into with Kamara, uh, Kamara being our top, top, uh, most expensive guy, I should say. And like and you if, mentioned earlier, look at what McCaffrey did last week. I mean, even exactly. If, you know, Absolutely. If there yeah. is one bone to pick with Alvin, I'm just going to say Alvin <laughs> throughout the, the, like with the snap percentages, you just said in the first half, I think Latavius had most of the, got the bulk of his work and it's, I think they went to Kamara more, sorry, Kamara more Kamara. in the second half when they were down, but that's the thing is the saints will probably not have be down 14 to three, like they were at halftime in this game. So they went to having to pass more. And I think the saints would prefer to run more and secure a lead. Having said all that, if another team's going to jump them at halftime, it is the Rams. So I'm not so worried about that this week for the rest of the season, though. I really do think Latavius Murray did secure a role a la Mark Ingram and even got more passing than he usually does. So I love Latavius Murray the rest of the season, but I do like Alvin for this one. You're only saying that because you have him in the ring. And that's league. how we beat you? It a literally <laughs> is how we beat you. A little. No, but he did have, I mean, he had a few catches in the game. He had 22 catches last, Latavius Murray did. 22 catches last year, like three catches in this game. So yeah, uh, well, I love that. But all right, our second best, I, I love this one, but I hate this person. So 
I, Craig, you, uh, you want to take this receiver who I have a, a very complicated relationship with? <laughs> so we chose Sammy Watkins, who I know Danny Heifetz has not loved in our offseason <laughs> talks. One way to say it. But <laughs> here's an interesting note from Evan Silva on EstablishTheRun.com. Check it out. So Sammy has now played at least 15 snaps in 11 games as a chief. And his 16-game pace, according to those 15 snaps in those 11 games, are 85 catches, 1,293 yards, and nine touchdowns. That's so a top- when he's healthy, he's really good. That's a top 10 wide receiver one. We've known that. We've been trying to tell Danny Heifetz that for years and years, that when he's healthy, <laughs> he's good. And now we're reaping the benefits of it. I think my thing with Sammy was also like two teams just gave up on him at like a calendar year. That's injury related. Same with and Brandon then- Cooks. <laughs> I I usually I'm in on him now. Look, I think he's had three touchdown 198 yard blow. I mean, this was obviously an amazing game. He's had amazing games before, but I think Hill being out really does make him, as Danny said right. last week, he's he's one of the 10 best receivers in fantasy right now and will be as when Hill is back, until Hill is back. And even when Hill returns, we'll have to reassess it. But I agree, and he's not priced, he's not really priced. Um you know, again, Tyreek Hill was the number one receiver in fantasy football last year. Sammy Watkins is one of the few number two receivers in a team that is just as talented if the skill set is different. His yeah. talent is, he's the most talented number two receiver in football you're, by far. You're you're buying with 7,100 on DK, you're buying the Chiefs offense. But I will exactly. say, Sammy Watkins looked pretty healthy. Like he looked different. I think in week one, he looked really, really good. Also, Jalen um, Ramsey on the, the Jaguars cornerback on that first touchdown. If you watch Sammy Watkins first touchdown, Jalen Ramsey just stops and just stays flat footed and then half heartedly chases him. Uh, but yes, he did. Sammy Watkins looked great. <laughs> also, Sammy's price. <laughs> Ramsey was soft. Sammy's price is up to 7,200 now. It is subject to change. He is still the, I believe, the eighth most expensive mm. receiver on DraftKings. Mm. Well, he should be number Three. Okay. So w- with Tyreek Hill out, I think the Chiefs will probably funnel a few more targets to Nicole Hardman and DeAnthony Thomas, which is actually kind of surprising to hear. Um, but for me, I would probably guess that they're just going to get more targets into Kelsey and Watkins. I think Watkins has one of the highest ceilings. Obviously, he's probably not going to have the three touchdown game again. You can't expect that. But you're you're getting a guy in the best offense in the NFL, the number one receiver target in the best offense in the NFL. So that's kind of like what we were looking at there. All right. While we're, while we're shelling out money for players who did well in week one, let's just do it right. So (laughs) (laughs) this is not the overreactionary lineup that you might think we really like Austin Eckler and we have liked him for a long time. He's a really good player. Um, Situationally, he has a chance to just go off again because um, now with Hunter Henry hurting his knee, um, he's going to be out. Mike Williams is potentially going to be out. Yeah, the, for Chargers the Chargers are banged up. They're just cursed, man. Um, and all of that means, in my opinion, that they're just going to funnel more, you know, volume to Eckler, who's a very good receiver. Last week, he had 12 carries, 58 yards, and a touchdown, plus six catches, 96 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, he's explosive. He's elusive. Um, and Philip Rivers trusts him as like a checkdown guy, as like a swing pass guy. Uh, he played 73% of the snaps last week, so he's he's far out snapping Justin Jackson. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it, I really like this play. He's just he's a high floor, high ceiling guy. They're going against Detroit this week, and Eckler's just a baller, man. 6,100 on DraftKings. And you Detroit know. has a has a pretty good defensive front, and the Chargers line is shaky, which is why Phillip Rivers has been, his, his depth of target to a lot of his receivers is extremely shallow because that's what he's doing. He's just checking down, get rid of the ball quickly, which bodes right. well for Eckler. 
Yeah, especially without Mike Williams and Hunter Henry in the same week missing. That's just so tough for an offense to have to practice a week. Like we kind of think they just plug these guys in and they just, you know, it's all fine. It's like you have to practice and use Mike Williams and Hunter Henry in the same week in practice. Like that's so annoying. For an God. offense to have to figure out, and then you inevitably just you, know, you end up chucking down Austin Eckler. So, Poor Hunter Henry, man. You know, Peter King had an uh. awesome anecdote in his column this week that was uh, Austin Eckler was an undrafted uh, running back, I think, out of Western State, which is in Colorado. And he approaches Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn, who was a running backs coach for a long time, and says, Coach, how do I make this roster? And Lynn says something about, like, oh, you know, you'll work hard and focus and concentrate. <laughs> right. And then Lynn tells Peter King, he's like, Honestly, I had no idea who he was. <laughs> no way. Western and now Col- Austin Eckler is the starter for the Chargers. Western Colorado University. Okay, so our three most expensive players are, we've got Alvin Kamara at $8,200, Sammy Watkins at $7,100, and Austin Eckler, uh, the who guy, at $6,100. And we're going to fill out the rest of our roster, but first we're going to take another quick break. The best part about kicking back to watch the game is enjoying a spread of your favorite treats. Take your game day treats to the next level with the new M&M's Hazelnut Spread Chocolate Candies. Guaranteed to deliver a delicious combo of hazelnut spread and milk chocolate in every bite-sized piece. M&M's Hazelnut Spread is going where no hazelnut spread has gone before. Right inside M&M's Chocolate Candies. If you love M&M's Chocolate Candies and you love hazelnut spread, just wait until you try these together for the first time. They've added delicious hazelnut spread to the center of smooth M&M's milk chocolate and crunchy candy shell. Enjoy them on their own or use them to dress up your other favorite treats. Just imagine them baked into cookies or sprinkled on top of your go-to ice cream flavor. Fun fact, in the Ringer editorial office near the kitchen area, we have like these little kind of like paper containers that are really inconvenient for like all foodstuffs and have just been there for a while. And then they dropped off all these M&M's and I was like, oh. This is destiny. It's what I've been waiting for. And I just just scooped, like, I'm not even going to say the quantity because it's really embarrassing. And I just, I had a lot of M&Ms while we were preparing for this podcast. I don't want to say thousands, but it wasn't dozens. Um, so M&Ms are the great. That's what I'm going with for. Go hazelnutty and try the new M&Ms hazelnut spread chocolate candies today. All right, let's fill out the rest of our roster. Um, DK. We love the Saints-Rams game, but how much do we love it? Who are you going with the quarterback, DK? Go, we're going with Jared Goff of the, of the Rams, which is a little bit weird and a, a little contrarian based on what we imagine will be recency bias. He went 23 of 39 last week for 186 yards, one touchdown, one pick, a 69 passer rating. Not a good start for Jared Goff right after signing a giant new deal. Um, but I do think that there is some context there that makes um, makes him worth taking a chance on this week. We we really went like with the bargain price that he right now he's fifty nine hundred, which is um, you know far far less than seventy five seventy five hundred that Mahomes is costing right now. So we basically wanted to save a little bit of money on the quarterback when we think he could still have a pretty good game. Um, and I'll tell you why. Like number one, first of all, it's a rough road start. Ten a.m. start last week at Carolina. It was hot. Um, this week they're going to be playing at home and I actually looked this up. Goff's home road splits are like Ben Roethlisberger-esque almost. It's bad. Um, really? Last year, yeah, last year at home, uh, Goff, he, he completed 68% of his passes, 22 touchdowns, three picks, 116 pass rating, nine yards per attempt, averaged 342 yards per game. On the road, 60% completion rate, 
10 touchdowns, 9 picks, 82 rating, 7.5 yards per attempt, and only 243 yards per game. So I did not, the home wait, road splits are massive. Wait, 100 more yards per game on the road? And then three times more picks, hundred on, on less, hundred fewer, hundred fewer yards per game on the road, and three times the picks with half the touchdowns. Correct. You know what this means, right? It's a lot. That's or a little. I don't know, but whole, that's different. Holy cat! What? Where did Jared Goff grow up? Oh, this is Craig's favorite thing in the California? world. California, Northern this California. Is Craig's favorite thing. I believe other North children. I believe Jared Goff grew up in Marin. Where did he go to school? California. Where does he play now? California. Jared Goff can't play in anywhere but California. <laughs> Craig's theory is that um, people don't work well traveling remote in any industry, including football. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the stats. The numbers don't lie. Jared Goff. And, I love and, this. and by the way, by the way, the, the, the attempts are almost equal. So take those numbers. He had 303 attempts at home and 258 on the road. So the attempts are not like, there's not like a huge disparity in attempts when you're looking at like those touchdown numbers and stuff. So. Yeah, it's pretty stark contrast at home versus on the road. And so basically that's kind of why we're betting low on Goff this week. He's a, he's a good price on DraftKings going in a game that we think is probably going to be a shootout. So yeah, that's kind of like the, that, that was our theory on that. Do you guys think Jared Goff can sleep on planes? Interesting. Maybe, Maybe he can't not. sleep on planes. Hmm. I'll look into it. All right, let's move on. <laughs> All right. Um, our flex, geez, our flex this week, we're going, our next expensive player is Marlon Mack, $5,900. Um, Craig, take this one because you were on Mack this preseason. Yeah, liked Mack. And even with luck gone, we still like him. Basically, with at $5,900 on DraftKings, he's, I think, what we would consider the cheapest kind of bell cow back available. The guys mm-hmm. below bell him. horse? I'm it, sorry? They are the Colts. Okay. You sure. play Red Dead, oh, don't you? Oh no? boy. I don't play Red oh Dead, boy. but uh, we call him a bell horse. I'm not sure that'll catch on. But the one thing that people think about Marlon Mack on the Colts is that he doesn't catch passes and that, and that Naeem Hines is the pass catching back. But actually, per Graham Barfield of NFL.com, Marlon Mack has now run more pass routes than Naeem Hines in five straight Colts games dating back to last year, including the playoffs. Mack has drawn just nine targets in that span, but Indianapolis is, is, is clearly relying on him in the passing game. They want him to be more involved. I mean, it's just more beneficial to your offense to not immediately have a tell that when Naeem Hines is in the game, you're passing. That was like James White last year, like against that Chargers exactly. game. Exactly. Game for like 97% of his snaps were pass plays. I bet Sony Michelle to have more than half a catch in the Super Bowl and he didn't. So. Oh, I bet under that. Come on. Come on, man. The uh, other thing is, like, I think the, the Colts, the Colts are very much, I think, going to ease uh, Jacoby Brissett in this year. Just because, you know, obviously we went into the season for mostly offseason thinking luck was going to be the starter. I think they're going to take it slow. Try and like slow the game down, or, or not necessarily slow the game down, but like take as much pressure off of Brissett to do things as possible. And so that's why we saw last last week, Mac was a huge, huge part of the game plan. That's probably going to be the case again this week against Titans. Um, so yeah, I just think uh, it's a good play because he, like you said, he's the cheapest. I think what we can expect to be a three down guy. So yeah, it's yeah. I like that one. And part of the love for Hines preseason was, I mean, Andrew Luck threw the second most pass attempts last year, and it wasn't like we thought Brissett would do that, but he did practice all off season as the starter when Luck was hurt, and then you know figured okay, they're still gonna have a big pass split, but no, they really scaled back the passing in that first game. So I I, I like Mac as well. Uh, that makes sense. Um, also, the term I was looking for. Was workhorse. That's what I was going for. Mm. Workhorse. What are you um, about? Bell horse. Bell. I look, guys. Words are hard. Um, <laughs> let, let's move on. Next one. Uh, John Brown, Buffalo Bills wide receiver, 
$5,200. Bills are playing the Giants this week, so this was an exercise of, I, I don't know. It's, it's this self-flagellation for you, Danny? Yeah, like that guy in the beginning of um, the Da Vinci Code or something. But, <laughs> Angels and demons. Yeah. Or, I, I don't remember which uh, one is, John Brown, he had 10 targets, 7 catches, 123 yards, led the Buffalo Bills in all, all the receiving yards last week. Um, he basically had half of the Bills' targets and basically had half of their receiving yards. Uh, and this is just banking on, you know, he's a deep threat, obviously a boomer bust kind of guy. But I mean, 10 targets, it's a little less bust. And then the Giants secondary was shredded by Dallas, just torched. And obviously the Cowboys passing attack is better than Buffalo. Dak Prescott's better than Josh Allen. But the Giants secondary might also just be really bad. And I mean, they have inexperienced <laughs> cornerbacks. I mean, Grant Haley, Antonio Hamilton, I just bad cornerbacks. Their pass rush is not great. They're banking. And the basically, I think Josh Allen can scramble. Get away from the Giants' pass rush. I mean, you don't need to do that much to get John Brown free. Giants don't have nearly as much speed in the secondary as they used to. So I think John Brown could have a big game. Um, uh, if you get, So, like, I, I do think he is a little bit boomer bust. That's true. But, I mean, if you go back to the beginning of last season when he was on the Ravens and Joe Flacco was the quarterback before they completely changed their offense, he was pretty consistent. Like, he was ripping off big gains. He, ha- he was getting a lot of targets. Um, he had... So he had 28 receptions, 558 yards, and four touchdowns in the team's first seven games. He was like, he was playing really, really well. I remember everyone was really, really high on him until they changed that offense and kind of just made it into a run first thing. And then he basically disappeared. But I think he's a really good player. He's not just um, like a fluke, I guess, for week one. I really like him. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, that's kind of how we built our lineup right now is boomer bust guys that are no longer boomer bust. So we have Sammy Watkins at receiver. We have John, John Brown at receiver. And then our last receiver is Tyrell Williams, who again, another boomer bust guy in the past that doesn't look like he's boomer bust anymore. He's only $4,400 in DraftKings. He's, but he's now the Raiders number one receiver. Um, he had seven targets, six catches, 105 yards and a touchdown against Denver. I mean, he signed a deal that pays him. I mean, they said it's a four year deal. It's really just a one year, $10 million deal. Um, but he's by far, by far Oakland's most experienced pass catcher. Um, really outplayed the Broncos cornerbacks. And I think he's going to be, uh, we talked about this earlier, but the Raiders are going to be passing early and often to beat Kansas City. I don't think the, Ra- uh, the Chiefs have anyone who's going to be able to keep up with Williams. So I like him a lot. I think he's another guy who's boomer bust that actually has a sneakily high volume floor. And then sticking mm-hmm. with that same game, same logic, tight end. I, this is a popular one this week, but for a reason. Darren Waller, Raiders tight end. He's priced yeah. like he's... I, like he's not there led the team in targets last week, but he did. He's $3,300 in DraftKings, but he had team high eight targets, team high seven catches, 70 yards, played 55 of 55 snaps. The only people who did that for the Raiders was Derek Carr on their offensive line. Uh, he's a converted receiver who had substance issues in the past, hasn't really played, but this year he is their starter. And Oakland brought him in like around Thanksgiving time last year to play behind Jared Cook. And last year, Jared Cook led the Raiders in targets and catches. Cook is gone. He's in New Orleans. And now Darren Waller, after one game, albeit, but Darren Waller now <laughs> leads the Raiders in targets and catches through one game. And then the Chiefs gave up the second most fantasy points to tight ends last year. So that's it's just everything coming together. Love Darren Waller this year. There are, sorry, this well, week. There are 14 tight ends that are more expensive than him that's, this week. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, I you just, I, I, yeah, so we love Waller at 3,300. I think that's why he's going to be one of the Would more. you guys be shocked if he ended up as like a top five tight end in fantasy? I think he's slated for. I think he, his ceiling is exactly five. He is Top now what we're realizing least. is the Christian McCaffrey Award nominee of like right. ooh, you know, 
I think coming out of nowhere to well, finish he's the Philip Lindsay one, but well, I guess well, not really. But anyway, the point is, I think Engram to me has established himself through one week as maybe Evan Engram will be the Giants' number one rece- receiver. Really putting Engram fourth to me among tight ends, so it's kind of Kelsey, mm. Kittle, Ertz, and Ertz could fall. Engram at four, and I, there's a chance Waller could be five if he actually with Hunter Henry targets. gone. Yeah, well, Hunter, yeah, poor Hunter Henry. And then last one, just clean this up real quick. Uh, we have the Ravens defense for thirty eight hundred dollars wraps up. You know, little bookend on the episode. I mean, this is a Cardinals offense that looked shaky with Kyler Murray, maybe a lot of long-term potential, but certainly shaky right now. Um, they only had six points against Detroit entering the mm-hmm. fourth quarter, and then all the yeah. subsequent points came in fourth quarter and overtime. He's still a rookie, and the Ravens defense is among the most complicated in football. They have this coordinator, Wink Martindale, and I think really it's the Ravens and the Vikings run the most complex scheme, and that's a really crazy thing to throw at a quarterback like Kyler Murray, who I mean, he, you know, he, it's not like he had played in college football before that Heisman season last year. Doesn't have a lot of high-level football under his belt. Uh, neither does Cliff Kingsbury, quite honestly. Uh, and he had 59 dropbacks in week one, 54 pass attempts. It's just, even if they scale back because of its overtime, that's just so many pass attempts where they can have a pick six. We're basically banking here on Earl Thomas grabbing a pick six. We <laughs> love the odds of that. So love the uh, Ravens at $3,800, yeah. shelling out for it. And that's exactly... $50,000 we spent, so we can't buy anything. 55, this week. I think. But you know what? Yeah. That's okay because the best things in life are free. Wow. This friendship. Beautiful. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, just going over that final lineup one more time. We have Jared Goff at quarterback for $5,900. Alvin Kamara at running back for $8,200. Austin Eckler at running back for $6,100. Shelled out there. Receiver Sammy Watkins, $7,100. Shelled out there as well. Uh, bargain bit and then bargain dived at John Brown at receiver for $5,200. Tyrell Williams. At receiver for forty four hundred, Darren Waller at thirty three hundred dollars, flex Marlon Mack at fifty nine hundred dollars, and then defense Ravens thirty eight hundred dollars. Uh, yeah, how let's you guys feel? It. Beautiful. So then let's just wrap this real quick with a listener question from our Facebook page. We have a Facebook page for the Ring NFL Show. Please join. We will be answering questions there all year, and we're going to answer one question a week on the podcast. Ask whatever. Well, not don't ask whatever you want, but. <laughs> Anything you want about football. Fantasy or, football yeah. related. <laughs> Fantasy yeah. football related. Um, and then this one is from Eric O'Connell. Which rookie running back, other than Josh Jacobs, would you be comfortable starting moving forward? Um, my answer to this Danny, is really yeah, simple. You go first. Devin Singletary on Buffalo. Uh, played way more than I thought he would out of the gate. Uh, he had four carries for 70 yards. Five of six targets he caught for five, 28 yards. Played 45 snaps. Uh, Frank Gore only played 19 snaps. TJ Yeldon played um, two, two snaps. Um, So it's not a three-man backfield like we thought it would be. It's a two-man backfield. And Devin Singletary is just going to get way more opportunities. I know four carries for 70 yards seems like, well, why do you get four carries? I mean, the Bills turned it over four times in the first half. So he's probably going to get more touches than just four carries. Um, All four of those carries were for double-digit yards. Exactly. Uh, I love David Montgomery in Chicago. I think he looks like the best running back in that backfield, but I'm not sure he's going to be getting enough to be start where they at least quite over Singletary quite yet. But I think he's the better running back in my mind. Um, I don't, so if, let me say this. If you don't, if you do have David Montgomery, don't drop him. That would be my, that would be my, no, advice. definitely. Jeez. No. Um, Nagy, Matt Nagy came on in a presser, presser this week, I believe, and said, um, you know, someone asked him like, why don't you use Montgomery more? And, and he replied, Quote, you would like to do that, i.e. give him a bunch more carries. To the general fan, that would be great. The hard part is, a rookie coming in and learning, there's a lot of intricacies in our offense with rules and assignments, not just running the ball, but in pass pro, 
and running routes. So we're easing them into it. I know everyone wants instant gratification and wants the great fantasy stats right away in week one. Guilty. We want production. I love the kid. I think the kid's going to have a great future, but there's going to be a little bit of a wait here, a balance as you figure out what's best and how to use them along with Mike Davis and Tariq Cohen. So I don't know. I think he's eventually going to like dominate the carries in that offense, but in the meantime, he is in a three. He's in at least a two-person um committee and then you know mike davis was being used on like third downs and in the red zone and stuff so that's definitely worrisome yeah I, i'd rather have david montgomery long term but i like uh devin singletary for the next couple weeks or so and this one's tough and i agree with you i think singletary would probably be my number one guy i'm also very high on miles sanders i think he's gonna really soon like sooner than later be the lead guy in that in that offense and we probably be thinking about it really differently if like Number one, he got tripped up on like the one yard line or like the two yard line in the in the first game against the Redskins, and then Calvin he also Johnson had a touchdown. Special. Yeah, he had a touchdown run called back. Uh, I don't remember which one came first and second, but he had two plays where he could have scored touchdowns. So if he's getting those two touchdowns, we're having a completely different conversation about Miles Sanders. I think he's, you know, he's the lead back already. He played thirty six snaps. Uh, he ran 16 routes. This is from Graham Barfield at NFL.com. He he ran 16 routes and had eight pass blocking snaps. Um, Darren Sproles and Joel, Jordan Howard combined ran 40 snaps. So like he ran 36, the other two guys ran for, uh, were on the field for 40 snaps. Um, so I don't know. He's still, I, I think he's already kind of the lead guy there and he just looks really, really good when he does touch the ball. So eventually he's going to be the guy again. If you have him, don't freaking drop him. Um, and I would be pretty comfortable going with him going forward. I think he's going to start to, to put up real numbers. Love real numbers. They're always better than the imaginary numbers, which I never totally understood, to be honest. Like there's um, a lot. There were a lot of imaginary touchdowns this weekend. Do you, did you watch the Bucks uh, 49ers game? There was four touchdowns. Uh, both Bray, Cameron Brait and George Kittle had two touchdowns each that were called back by penalties. Tough, for, tough for tight ends out here. That's real yeah. tough, but it's nice and cool in here. <laughs> so thank you, DK. Uh, thank you, Craig, and good luck to everyone this weekend, and we will see you guys next week. Pepsi takes all NFL celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown, a defensive stop on the goal line, or a Super Bowl win... When it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. Pepsi, the official sponsor of the NFL, reminds you to always be celebrating.